Hello and welcome along to the Property Academy podcast by Opus Partners. I'm your host, Tim Knight. And I'm Andrew Nichol. And tell the show, we're talking about a case where a leaky homeowner won, wait for it, over half a million dollars against a housing inspector. Now, this is fascinating because it turns a whole heap of the stuff that we've talked about on the podcast on its head. And basically, a judge has said the complete opposite. So, what have we got wrong in the past or what has changed here? Now, Andrew, walk us through what is the key takeaway from this recent court case where this woman won over half a million dollars from suing a housing inspector? Well, the key thing is that obviously this highlights the importance of actually having an independent report done before you buy a property to make sure that it's suitable for purpose. But the interesting thing about this particular case is it actually changes everything in New Zealand law. It's really interesting. It sets a really interesting precedent. So let me tell you exactly what happened. So there was a woman called Rosemary McFarlane, and she bought a townhouse in Lower Hutt. This was before COVID. It was back in 2019. Now, she was shown a building inspection report by the real estate agent. Now, she didn't order this, right? She didn't do her own one. This building inspection report was ordered by the person selling the property. Now, you guys who have listened for a long time will know that is not the way to do it. You're not able to rely on a report that was ordered by somebody else. Now, the builder's report claimed that the house was structurally sound, only had some minor maintenance issues that needed to be done. And this report was completed by a guy called Mark Sewell through his company Informed House Inspections. Now, it turned out the house that she was told was structurally sound, only minor maintenance issues, it was really extensively damaged because of water leaks. It was a leaky building. So there were some structural failures. There was some cracked cladding. And what did Rosemary do, the person who purchased this property? She sued the company and the director for negligent misstatements and breaching the Fair Trading Act. Now, what did she get? The court ordered him to pay, the building inspector to pay, $524,495. So about $525K to cover the cost of repairs, her to go and stay somewhere else while the repairs are being done, and for the stress of it all, as well as some legal costs. Now, we'll get into why this is so game-changing in a minute, but Andrew, just tell us, how leaky was this house after Rosemary purchased it? It was pretty bad. So some of the points... Paint not sticking to a wall. So it's fully coming off. Yeah, that sounds not that great. Sounds leaky. <laughs> there was some rot above a door, sliding door. And after the COVID-19 delays, there were more thorough inspections, which confirmed that there was rot actually inside the walls. This is a terrible one. Surfaces oozed with water when pressed. That's gross, God, that's isn't graphic, it? isn't it? <laughs> it oozed. And when it rained, they had to put down towels and buckets. That sounds like our office. <laughs> it sounds like your <laughs> it office. sounds like my office. <laughs> your office would not be Healthy Homes compliant. Oh, do you know what the saddest thing is? When you just read that list or hear that list of things that would go wrong with this house, just imagine how she must have felt. It, was, it would have been horrible. Imagine living in that. It must smell damp. It must be gross. Imagine all your clothes getting damaged. And do you know what the worst thing is? Surely... The vendor, the person selling the property, knew. Now, that's the interesting thing. See, I found this interesting going after the building inspector because I wouldn't have thought she'd stand a chance. But I would have gone after the original owners under their vendor warranties. 
But you've got to prove that they knew. Well, just explain to any new listeners of the show what a vendor warranty is and why you might be able to go after them in that case. Okay, so if Ed sells me a house and then I find out he knew that it was leaky, then I would go after him because he's got a duty to disclose anything material to me as a buyer. So let's come back to this case, though. In your mind, how significant is it for property buyers and sellers? Well, I've always said, or we've always said on the show, if you're going to get a building report, you need to do it yourself. You need to find out yourself from a building inspector and have a report that's addressed to you if anything's defective. Because that way, if something goes wrong, you can go back to that building inspector and say, hey, I engage you to do a service and you've misled me here. You can't go after someone else. Or, or what we've said is you can't go after someone else and say, hey, you did a building inspection for Ed that used to own this house. I want to challenge you. No, no, no. That's not our problem. We, we did that for Ed. And the reason behind that is it's all about, well, who is the client in that instance? Correct. Now, if I got the building inspection report and I'm, again, selling this property to Andrew, well, my building inspector hasn't done me a bad service just because Andrew's now bought his leaky home. And it's just a bit of a quirk. So we, yeah. we've traditionally said if you don't get your own building report and something's wrong with the house, you can't do anything. But this flips that traditional advice on its head. Correct. So what's interesting is that this lady's been able to use the Fair Trading Act, even though, again, she wasn't the customer. She wasn't engaging the building inspector and being their client. But I think the big difference here is that the lady that was purchasing the property, she rang the building inspector and confirmed that the report was correct. Now, the guy who did the inspection report said, oh, well, I don't remember having this conversation with her. And the judge didn't buy that. He thought, actually, I believe that this purchaser actually did have this conversation and was told that this was a structurally sound property and it was not a leaky home. And so that's how the purchaser was able to sue for breaches under the Fair Trading Act and negligent misstatements. So I don't think that this case, though, changes that original idea that we always say, which is if you get a building report from a real estate agent or somebody else, you can't rely on it. The only thing that has saved you here is that she called them. That's the difference. I guess in doing that, they're almost taking on the fact that, well, if we're going to talk to you about this, then in some way you're our client. I mean, even though they haven't engaged, you know, if they've had a conversation, no doubt she had a phone record to that effect, well, then if you've had a conversation, then you've opened yourself up for this. Now, you might think, well, surely there's some disclaimers in the building report where it says in the T's and C's, you can't use this if you're not in the client. And they definitely were. There was a statement in there that the agreement and the building report was solely for the previous owner. The report said it couldn't be used by any third party, like, for instance, the purchaser. It recommended that the owner go into a full weather tightness inspection. And on top of that, the report even said that it was solely a visual inspection. There was no invasive testing where they actually get in and maybe do some testing of parts of the walls. But the judge said that all of that, even though there were disclaimers, didn't absolve him of liability. He was still on the hook, even though there were some disclaimers. The thing that caught my and probably a lot of people's attention in the media when I read this story was the half a million dollars, right? But actually, that's not the most important thing. The important thing is what it means for you when you're reading a building inspection report. Now, I should mention as well the, the source for this article. It was by a high court reporter from stuff.co.nz. I haven't been able to get the high court judgment yet, 
where I can see exactly what the judge said. So we are relying on their reporting there. It seems like a pretty harsh judgment, again, without reading all of the information. See, if I were the building inspector and I had those disclaimers, or what I imagine might happen in this instance is that the building inspector's indemnity insurance will probably refuse to pay out and then will appeal this decision. Because I would have thought that those clauses would have given some protection. Yeah, it seems strange that you could suddenly owe half a million dollars simply because you had a phone call with somebody. But I suppose that the things wrong with this house must have been so bad that the building inspector's report was just total rubbish. Now, Andrew, walk us through, what did the purchaser win? So there's $414,000 for repairs. There was $18,000 for accommodation during the repairs, which is 19 weeks worth of accommodation. There was $60,000 of legal costs, which is a really interesting one. And then, this was quite interesting, $30,000 for inconvenience and mental distress. So all up about 520 k And I know that she hasn't actually repaired her house yet, so these are all estimates and could actually change. Yeah, absolutely. And it's important to mention how she won the case. So she had to go and get another building inspector to give evidence, and they said that the original building report misrepresented the risk and the condition of the property, and it didn't identify more than 20 really obvious risks or existing defects. And I think probably one of the really important things here, she got one of these building inspections done, an independent one done, as soon as she possibly could. So it wasn't like she left this for a few years and then went and got another building inspection because then there might have been more damage that you could then go back and say, okay, well, actually, that damage wasn't there originally. So because of the short timeline there, that probably gave strength to her case. Yeah, the key thing is that, remember, this case has been heard in 2023. She purchased the house in 2019. So there's a four-year window between when this case got to court and when the bad things happened, if I can say that. And so that's what's important that she got the building inspection done as early as possible because otherwise the building inspector could come back and say, well, yeah, there's damage now, but that's happened over the four years that they've been living in the property. And actually the terrible thing about this, because she probably doesn't have the cash to pay out for these repairs, so has to get it from somewhere else, I imagine. Or even if she could, she probably doesn't want to have to pay the property full value and then actually pay for the repairs. So meanwhile, there's going to be significantly more damage with you know the weather that we've been having. Yeah, I think the other thing is that you might think, oh, this is very good, she won the case. But you've also got to remember, it's taken her four years to get here. She bought the house in 2019, now it's 2023. And meanwhile, she's been living in a leaky home. And I just can't imagine the amount of stress she's going to go through. So I don't think that this case should give investors any comfort that, oh, well, if I just rely on the seller's building inspection, I'm going to be okay because if something goes wrong, I'm going to be able to have them up. The other thing is, well, what's the chance that she's going to get her money back? Well, it sounds like the building inspector is going to appeal. He no longer runs the company. It's been removed from the company's register. He says he's working a normal job and earning a wage. So does he have half a million dollars to give her? Probably not. So even though she's won the case in court, is she really going to get her money back? Yeah, I would say it's probably very unlikely. And again, even if he's got insurance to cover him for this kind of thing, which I'm sure he probably has to have, they've probably got deeper pockets and the ability to defend this and will likely appeal it. So how can potential buyers 
not get into the situation, Andrew. So I still think the really important thing to do if you're buying a property is to get a building inspection done by your building inspector. Something that's being addressed to you because while this is a bit of an anomaly, I wouldn't want to have to go through the chance that I might be able to get a judge to see in my favour with someone else's report. You should always get your own done and make sure that it's got appropriate level of testing. So look, invasive testing isn't necessarily needed for all property types, but what you might want to do is if there's any element that this could have potential leaks, then you want to make sure you've got invasive testing done and make sure that the report is, you know, fit for purpose. So in this case, the report said it was a limited visual inspection report, although he did charge $1,200 for it. Yeah, not good enough. No. Not good enough at all. And when we're talking about invasive testing, we're talking about drilling little holes into the walls and, and taking samples, those kinds of things. Now, Andrew, does this really change everything? Does it mean I can now rely on a building report that the seller of the home gave to me? Again, absolutely not. I would always get my own done when buying a property, an existing property. And, you know, again, probably for a lot of people, even if they're buying a new build. And I think probably one of the big things that you might see, though, is if you're running a building inspection company and you've read this article, you're probably going to be even more cautious about what you put in writing and what you have as far as a conversation with someone who's looking at your report. I think the last thing is it also might cause people listening to the show, everyday Kiwis, just to question the reliability of the housing inspection services. And and that's probably a good thing, making sure that you've got somebody who's really got some experience and is qualified and is not just going to give you a, quote, limited visual inspection. Right, let's wrap it up. But please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. Really does help us get the message out to more people. And hey, if you've got a friend who's out there looking to buy an existing property, whether it is their own home or an investment, doesn't matter. You might like to send this to them. It is so important that Kiwis know and understand the importance of getting a reliable building inspection report. So if you know maybe a first home buyer out there, might like to send this podcast on to them so they don't make a half a million dollar mistake. Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Tim McKnight. We're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics, and insights to help you get the most of the New Zealand property market. Until next time.